Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Hi there, everybody. It's Script Shop Show. I'm Jack, and I've been drinking a considerable amount of coffee today. Oh, I'm Allison. I only drink water nowadays. Um, yeah, what is your beverage situation? My intake situation? Yeah. Um, as much water as 12 ounces of coffee, that's that's my max as a pregnant lady. Okay. Um, lots and lots of water, and then juice with sparkly stuff in it. Yeah, you do. You add like the the yeah. carbonated water to it various juices. It just shakes juices. it up, you know. Makes it a little you. bit different. A um, little bit of wine here and there. Not mm-hmm. not much, really. Hi, everybody. This is Script Shop Show. This is our podcast <laughs> where we have writers on, uh, screenwriters specifically. Yes, we love screenwriters specifically, and we like to talk about their scripts specifically. And uh, our guest today is Christine Sherwood, right. who has written a short for us called Cherry Glaze. Right. It's a 13-page short. Um, I have notes that it's a suspense... Sus- I should have tried talking before we started working on the thing. Well, today. do you have to like, is, are there typos in the notes or you, this is just a hiccup okay, well, on your end? Listen, how do you sell, spell suspenseful? Is it S-U-S-P-E-N-S-E-F-U-L or is yes. there no E? No, so my spelling is perfect. That's okay. the normal. normal. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's just the talking of it. I gotcha. Anyway, uh, Cherry Glazed, a suspenseful contemporary short that teeters the line between drama and action, Ooh. I think. What with the guns and the trucks and stuff? <laughs> the, the trucks are a signifier yeah. of action? Yeah, I think so. Semis. You know, someone's in a semi and you're like, is this? I uh, thought it was a pickup. I thought it was a semi. Well, we'll have to address that with our uh, screenwriter, Christine, when we have her on the show. It could definitely be a pickup, but, but you know, I'm, I just bragged about being perfect and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what else? Uh, we need to talk about a couple other things here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the film festival? Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, listeners of... Script writers, listeners of script people who write scripts, screenwriters and listeners. You want to go one more? <laughs> Try one more. We, you got this. I really think that that thought's like fizzled out. We've got a uh, sc- film festival coming up soon. <laughs> Thank you. The Independent Film Festival. Thank you. So Cincinnati, Ohio, August 23rd, 24th, 25th, 2018. Um I will be hosting the Independent Film Festival, which is a film festival for independent film makers mm-hmm. and independent film writers. So we have a screenplay portion of the festival. We're accepting films that are any length, uh, short and feature, multi-genre. That could be experimental, music video, any kind of genre category, drama, horror, action, whatever. Yeah. All of those things are being accepted and then we'll be categorized into the festival. It's going to be amazing. Over 35 hours of screenings in the heart of downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. So if you're interested in submitting, you can do so by going to filmfreeway.com, looking up Sindependent Film Festival. Sin as in Cincinnati. So, huh? Yeah, not like... Like the Las Forgive Vegas, me, like Father, some for I have sinned. right, or some Las Vegas film festival, right? That would be such a play on Cincinnati if you were like, "Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned." But it was <laughs> CIN because you went to Cincinnati. I feel like there was some kind of like swingers lifestyle <laughs> kind of club that was set up somewhere in Cincinnati that was a play on that, like Sin City, something like that. Yeah. Wow, they are very clever. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, looking forward to that very much. That's coming up this August. And if you like submitting your work to different uh, things, remember to tell your friends and family and other writers that they can submit their scripts to Script Shop by going to scriptshopshow.com slash submit, sending their scripts in, and then we'll work on getting them on the show. Uh, we also uh, may have made ourselves available on Patreon. Patreon? I don't know if it's a long A or not. I'm pretty sure it's Patreon. Patreon. Like a patron of the arts. Ah, well, that makes much more yeah. sense. If you do like what you hear and you want to maybe, if you want to patronize us. 
Oh, yes. They're not that ironic, though, because they have a mission and a purpose that they need to adhere to. If you are interested in uh, throwing a, like a buck or two our way, like yeah. we're okay with that. Yeah. So look up Script Shop Show on uh, Patreon or Patreon, depending on where you're at and whether or not yeah, you're doing a capital A. Yeah, depending on how you feel today, you know, <laughs> and, uh, how we are doing today at any given point. We've got a variety of reward levels for different contributions. So I don't know. I, I feel weird. I'm not comfortable asking people for money. I just want to make them aware that this is a thing that they that can go to. Yeah. Um, dear listeners, hmm. if you feel so inclined, please send us your money. Please, sir. Please, sir. We would like some more. <laughs> send us your dollars. <laughs> we could do the whole uh, soupy sales thing and tell the kids to reach into their mom's purse and send them those green pieces that of paper that are in there. That's a classic yeah. bit. Oh, just write down those plastic numbers. Right. Type them into the iPhone. Beep, bop, boop, 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 and see what happens. Uh, is that all? We need to talk about uh, reading things. What are you things. reading? What are you I, reading? Just today, uh, Vanity Fair has a really interesting article uh, about Dawson's Creek, which I was never a big watcher of, but the article talked about the writers that were brought onto that show, and a lot of them have gone on to have quite a career for themselves. And the article is about... Uh, what it's like to be brought into a show and like this was the WB it wasn't even the CW at that point and like it was this little network nobody really knew what they were doing and it was this sort of chaotic writer's room of we're doing this teen show we're sort of figuring stuff out as we go I guess it was a wonderful training ground for guys like Greg Berlanti who've gone on to do uh, Arrow and The Flash and a bunch of shows on the CW Uh, the the woman who was a writer on Jessica Jones was on that show Uh, and I'm blanking on some of the other people Vanity Fair it's a really good article i think the title of it's called i don't want to wait is so the idea is basically that these group of people got pulled together and it was like trial by fire yes. because the show did way better than anybody anticipated it blasted off in the first couple seasons and then the, sh- the guy that created it uh left and everybody that was sort of stuck around was trying to figure out what to do it was very much like sort of feeling their way through stuff it's a really great article it's on vanityfair.com i just read it this evening and if you're i don't know i think it'd be kind of inspirational if you're a writer looking to get it and they talk about how because they were such a small outfit they were just bringing in anybody who was this young energetic writer to try to make something of this show and it turned into a huge hit in the 90s that's really exciting it was cool to kind of like well, it has to do with that entrepreneur spirit that I feel like writers and filmmakers have, which is also what I'm basing this independent film festival around mm-hmm. because it's that that I have this idea that's consuming me and I must do something about it yeah. perspective. So that is exciting. It was cool. What are you reading? Um, I read this book called The Versions of Us by Laura Barnett, which mm-hmm. is basically, you know how we get a lot of scripts on the show where people consider what their life might have been if they had taken different routes and different paths? Yes. It is exactly that theme but it plays out in two different storylines so you have one woman in the beginning and then it flashes back and forth between her life literally playing out in these different themes so it's interesting because you start to draw connections between one version of her to the other about like if one thing happens in this did it happen or only halfway happen in the other version and if so then why so you start kind of trying to like mark where she made different choices Mm -hmm. to see if well it's like choose your own adventure but of course it's a fiction and it's not a choose your adventure although I loved those as a kid I would like go back and forth between choosing one and then you got to do all the little bookmarks to then to know if you screwed up or not yeah because if it was like you just you just died completely I would just go backwards and try the other path so you sort of see the different path the it's like a path not taken kind of thing yeah and you see the way that's interesting yeah what's it called again um the versions of us the versions of us what's interesting is that it's only about her Mm -hmm. so I'm I always flip around why the title is called The Versions of Us when it only focuses really hmm. on her. The yeah. other relationships in her life don't hold as much weight at all. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Something to consider. That's cool. Yeah. We should t- see. We should talk to Christine and find reading. out what, uh, what, if anything, she's reading. Hello, is this Christine Sherwood? Hello, this is. Yay! Hi, Christine. Welcome to Script Shop Show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for, for coming me. on. Thank you for uh, coming on with us. Where you're in? Uh, you're on the West Coast, right? I am. I'm in California, just outside of L.A. in San Bernardino County at the moment. Mm, that sounds lovely. Yeah, it sounds super nice. Yeah. Horse uh, country. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so have, have did you grow up in L.A.? I didn't. I grew up in Orange County, California, mm-hmm. in a town called Brea, North Orange County. Um, at that time, it was about 34,000 people. I think it's now swelled to, I, I'm going to guess, about 55,000. Okay. Yeah. Is that considered like a small town thing in California? 
like um, I guess 000. for Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how far away is Orange County from like the heartbeat of L.A.? Um, it depends on traffic. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, such a good answer. That's a very L.A. answer. It's very L.A. Um, it's I would say without any traffic, I could get there in about 45 minutes. But honestly, sometimes it would take two hours. Oof. Um, yeah, it just depends on, you know, time of day and day of the week. <laughs> yeah, you got to have all your podcasts queued up to listen to <laughs> yeah, on right. that right there and back. <laughs> Christine, is there anything in particular that you're reading right now since we were on the topic? Well, yeah, actually, I just finished uh, two books. Um, The first I read was um, The Vexing Heirloom. Mm. It's actually written by a friend of mine, um, T.G. Monaghan. I went to university, um, Rutgers University with him. Mm. Uh, And it's it's a treasure tale and whether or not finding the treasure is worth the 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 trouble that's caused. Um, which is really interesting. It, it takes place in Cuba uh, in the middle of the Cuban War of Independence in 1896. So wow. very interesting uh, treasure hunt uh, story. And then the other one um, I recently read is Margaret Atwood's Hagseed, um, which is, uh, you know, an enchantment tale of uh, uh, the Tempest, Shakespeare's Tempest. So um, which is a, a very interesting take. I love Margaret Atwood. Uh, She's on fire right now between The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu and then I think Netflix did something else for her also of hers. Yeah. Um, Alias yeah. Grace. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't started that yet and I really want to watch it. I'm about to start her um, moral disorder stories. Um, uh, there's a quote in there. Um, um, in the end, we all become stories. I think it's just beautiful. Mm. Oh, um, wow. So, um, I've heard about that and I'm so I'm about to start reading that. <laughs> What, oh, let me know how it is because that sounds really, really good. In the end, yeah, I just, I just love the poeticness that in the end we we'll all become stories. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm an atheist, so I don't feel there, there's a um, a life after this, and so I think we'd return back to stardust. So mm-hmm. I love the that that all that exists is our time, and it's actually we're very lucky. I mean, thinking of it in a very uh, R- Richard Dawkins way, you know, we are the lucky ones, you know. Um, all the grains of sand in in Arabia, you know, we are we're the ones that were born and given a chance. So, yeah. uh, I fully paraphrased his quote there, but um, <laughs> slaughtered sounds, it a bit. Maybe it sounds um, beautiful, though. But, but uh, I love that this is our time here and to take the most of it. So yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you went to school in Rutgers. That's in New Jersey, correct? Yeah, I only went two years though. Uh, family, uh, financial issues. I left after two years cause I felt guilty about out of state tuition. Yeah. Even though I was born in New Jersey, um, it was considered out of state cause I grew up in California. Yeah. And what were you studying when you were there? Journalism and political science. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, very big into politics. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. So with the goal of doing something in, in TV or in news in general, or what was the goal at the time? Yeah, I love investigating stuff and um, uh, seeking stuff out and also like stepping into somebody else's shoes and uh, always been a storyteller. I I did do theater when I was real little and wanted to get into acting as well. But my parents or my mother wanted me to have like a normal job and I'm uh, a good daughter. And (laughs) yeah, that pressure is hard. I understand completely. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was like, well, I can go the journalism route, you know? And, um, so I, and it also interested, it's not like it didn't interest me. Um, I was always reading like Newsweek and reading National Geographic and stuff when I was young and, uh, you know, uh, political cartoons were a big favorite of mine. And so I decided to go that route, but then in the end, um, I love photography. I love writing stories and getting into people's shoes that way instead. And with my parents complaining about financial status, that was, uh, what drove me to go take an assessment and go, Nope, I got to, um, you know, school's not for everyone. Although I did go back and get my master's at the London film school in filmmaking though. So (laughs) congratulations. Yeah. So Thank how, you. how does the shift kick in from, say, stopping uh, school for like news and, and current events and political stuff and shifting into story writing and, and into more of a fictional focus? Well, I think in the end, you know, there's only so many different um, tropes. You know, there's man versus man, man versus society, man versus machine, man versus animal, man versus the unknown, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. There's seven or eight of them. Uh, 
And, you know, I think those are in both reality, you know, um, fiction and nonfiction. So, um, I think, um, those hold true no matter what. And I think if you're writing, um, fiction, you are still tapping into, um, nonfiction characteristics. So, um, so I, I think, you know, they're not dissimilar uh, in my opinion, uh, they they um, hold true and draw and pull from the emotions. And that's what I think. I think a lot of people, when they, you ask them, like, what's their favorite film? You know, they can tell you what their favorite film is. and But sometimes they have a hard time, you know, uh, quoting dialogue or a specific scene. And, and it's because I think it's the emotional journey that they felt when they watched the film. Mm-hmm. And if they're rewatching it. They are, um, they know all the beats while they're watching it, but you take them out of it and they just know that they love the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's the most, most important thing I think is the, um, emotional journey, which I think is, um, backstory on characters, even if you don't put it in the script is so important. And there's a, is there an element of control that's involved that maybe feels a little bit better just because I, I work in news f- uh, for my day job and, the idea that, you know, when you're doing stories that are, I mean, a lot of times it's bad stuff, it's bad people doing awful things, at least with fiction, you're, you're not hearing about something horrible that happened to somebody else. You have an element of being able to shape it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, <laughs> journalism, if it bleeds, it leads, right? So right. Um, you're kind of guided into um, what gets told. I, You know, I guess that's where, you know, people um, in journalism sometimes have pet projects that they they really take their time on, um, in addition to the stuff that they're going to have to do. Um, and for me as a, as a fiction writer, I can, they are my pet projects always. Uh, so yes, I can shape them how I want, um, find the beats, find, you know, uh, find a way to make, um, uh, the bad guys also likable. Mm -hmm. Mm You know, that's, at, at at the end, that's that's also important to, in storytelling to some degree. You I, know, I think that's an interesting segue in terms of the script that you sent to us, Cherry yeah. Glazed. There is very much, I feel like, an element of the bad guy being likable, right? And kind of that big blur between good and bad. Yeah. Um, man, do we just want to jump into the script already? I think we should. Okay, great. So let's read a selection from the script. Um, so. Christine, just sit tight with us because Jack is going to be reading from the script as the character Joe. I'll be reading Rachel, and then Frank here in the studio is going to be doing our action headings. So, listeners, we're going to be reading scene five, pages four to eight of Christine Sherwood's Cherry Glazed here. So, okay, are you properly in character? Um, yeah, I'm good. Because I think I think the way that knowing how the script goes. I think if we get into it first and then we can... Without setting it up or anything. Explain, yeah, the way the plot works out and especially maybe some of the twistier elements. Yeah, I think that's smart because there's like a lot of surprise in this. I very much like this script, by the way, Christine. Oh, thank you so much. This was fun. Ditto that. Um, And Frank, you ready? Yeah. Okay, cool. So whenever you're ready, Frank, you can take it away. Interior. Gas station. Night. Rachel comes out of the bathroom damp, but at least it's better than being soaked. She keeps the hood up over her head. You have time to dry off more. I'm okay. Rachel wanders around the store. When she's out of eyesight, Joe watches her through the security mirrors placed around the store. Really appreciate your help. No problem. Sorry about making you wait out there at first. It's cool. It's late and you don't know me. Rachel opens the cooler with her hand covered with her hoodie and grabs a soda. She heads back into the front, pulls out a few coins from her pocket in her palm, and starts counting and polishing with the sleeve of her hoodie. Don't worry about it. Rachel puts the coins back in her pocket. Have a donut, too. Looks like you had a very bad night and could use it. Do I look malnourished? Joe didn't mean that at all. Rachel can tell she misread that. Sure. Thank you. Rachel uses a pastry paper to reach into the pastry shelf and pulls out a plain donut. A plain one? I I know we're just a gas station, but our cherry-glazed donuts are legendary in these parts. I hate cleaning up messes. All right, fair point. But I tell you, nothing beats the sweetness and how delicious it tastes more than makes up for it. You know what? Hand me one of them. Rachel puts down her own donut and soda on the counter and heads back to the pastry shelf. A cherry glaze? You act as if God made them. 
I don't believe in God, but I do believe in my wife's talents. Rachel grabs two donut papers, grabs a cherry glaze, and hands it to Joe, making sure to hold on to the outside paper. She has an Instagram of all of her donuts if you follow her. Rachel puts the wrapper in her hoodie pocket without Joe noticing. I'm not on Instagram. Rachel jumps onto the counter to sit. Joe takes a step closer to the side to give her room. Well, fair enough. She's really into it. Though, I guess if you're into... Rachel dusts off the crumbs from her hands when she finishes the donut and interrupts Joe. Must be pretty lonely out here. Does your wife come visit you? Joe scrunches his face and shakes his head no while finishing the donut. So, any crazy weirdo stories? Come on, entertain me while we wait for the cab. Joe is amused by Rachel. He takes a swig of his coffee to clear his mouth. No weirdo stories, sadly. Oh, wait, there is this old lady that dresses like she's going to a ball every Wednesday and always stops in to buy a coffee before going to wherever she goes dressed like that. Though I guess I'm just more curious about that than it being weird. I mean, where is she going? I'd follow her one day to find out. Yeah, I've thought about that. Then I'd be the weirdo. (laughs) They both laugh. Joe doesn't say anything else for a moment after they stop laughing. Awkward silence. Rachel sips her soda. I did get robbed a few days ago. Rachel shifts her body to face him more, moving her legs to the back side of the counter from the front. Oh, yeah? What happened? These two jerks rolled up, masks on, full guns out, marched in here and demanded money. I gave them some, but when they weren't fully paying attention, I grabbed my gun and got a shot off before they fled. I think it at least grazed one of them because he dropped the money. Wow. So that's why you made me wait outside? Yeah. Sorry. Police are still looking for them, but at least they didn't get the cash. And now, with my new bulletproof windows, they ain't going to be able to do that again at night, although it does mean shutting down the convenience store at 10 p.m. Surely you got them on camera now. Joe doesn't say anything at first. He can't admit to a stranger that his cameras are too new and haven't been hooked up yet. A motorcycle pulls into the station. When he's turned towards the outside window, Rachel gracefully slides off the counter, placing her behind the counter. Yeah, it's just a motorcycle. Do you mind ducking down? Joe turns towards Rachel and is surprised to see her behind the counter. Rachel notices a bit of Joe's cherry-glazed donut dripping on the counter. She runs her finger through it and licks it off her finger. Uh, Don't want anyone knowing that you're in here. I'll just go wash my sticky fingers. Go on. As she walks away, Rachel turns her head. Don't get rid of that soda. I still have some left. You got it. As Rachel walks toward the bathroom, she turns on her cell phone. We can see that it isn't dead. And scene. That's a good scene. So, Christine, how would you describe this story if if you were pitching it or whatever? It's about a small-time crime boss um, (laughs) whose lackeys have failed at their job. um, Got it. Yes. Clean up their mess. I was just thinking, well, because, of course, there's the relationship between her and the guy driving the car, and you're not really sure what that is. Yeah, at first you think they're in a relationship. Right, but yeah. she's their boss. Yep. Yeah, so it starts out with, nice. with Rachel and this guy, Mark. They're in a pickup truck, and there's this weird tension between them, and she just gets out of the truck, tells him to pull over, and walks through the rain to this gas station where she runs into this Joe guy, and then she spends some time. There's like this long scene yeah. uh, that's little moments. There's lots of suspense there's lots of surprises dropped into the script and into this interaction in small ways. You know, she starts asking him about whether or not he gets robbed, what happens, right. whether, or you know, security cameras, this and that. And uh, at the end of it, of course, she the truck pulls back around with this other woman, Charlotte, who's been mentioned in the script. Mm-hmm. And uh, she holds up the gas station and walks out. Cool as a cucumber there. Yep. And it, the whole time she really does. I played up into the whole idea that she doesn't like messes also like right. she won't touch the stuff in the truck. You know, there's and it foreshadows the cherry glazed donut Mark's truck um, that's left over, um, he, you know, because he grabbed one uh, while he was robbing the <laughs> store. Um, there's also, um, you know, she won't touch the cabinet, you know, when um, with her, she'll use her hoodie so she doesn't leave fingerprints. Yeah, uh, uh, she uses the plastic. She keeps the plastic wrapper as well and puts it in a hoodie so she takes any trace of herself out of there mm-hmm. uh, 
Smart. And she won't let the guy throw away the soda because she knows her fingerprints are on it. Mm. Um, yeah. She's a smart cookie. So um, this idea of her being the boss, what's a little bit of the backstory between her and the other baddies in the in the story then? Well, her and Charlotte uh, grew up together. Uh, so um, they are roughly the same age. Um, uh, Mark... Um, was actually used to be involved with Charlotte. Um, Rachel was never involved with Mark in that way. Um, and, uh, I'm, I have some vague background, uh, development on them, uh, for the sh- short, um, that I'm developing further for the feature. Cause I will be making this into a feature. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, the feature is actually, um, going to be the secret that Charlotte is actually, um, an undercover cop. Um, Ooh. yeah. And it's she, and that she actually did not shoot Mark because uh, when she comes to pick up Rachel, Mark's dead in the car, yeah. Yikes. you know, he had to pay for screwing up this mission, but, uh, but Rachel's, um, uh, relationship with Charlotte stopped her from, uh, actually killing Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, she just, used Mark as the example. Mm. Uh, so th- there's going to be a conflict of friendship and good versus bad. And I'm very, I'm very in- um, inspired by um, McDonough. Uh, uh, in Bruges is one of my favorite films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love in Bruges. Yeah. Uh, I-, I love quick witty dialogue as well. And, um, and the tenseness and I like a sense of realism as well. Uh, I mean, I love Agnes Varda and her film Vagabond. Um, uh, I like gritty characters that aren't so, um, clean or innocent, um, especially female characters. Yeah. And I love, um, this, this comes up twice in the script, but in the beginning, um, Rachel, she jumps out of the truck and she says, I'm an idiot. And then later on in the script, when she's kind of confronted with our cashier, Joe's, like shock and disbelief that he just spent a really nice 10 minutes with somebody having what he thought was a really true human connection. He says, you're a, and she goes, I'm a fucking idiot. I get it. And that like, man, that vulnerability to, to really see inside the depths of herself and live with it was just like really poignant for me. It, It really cracks her open into being, a full person who may not be comfortable with who she is, but it doesn't change anything at all. Exactly. And that's the conflict for Charlotte moving forward into a feature is that Rachel's the crime boss in that she sends other people to do the dirty work. Cause she doesn't. And that's one of her little idiosyncrasies is she doesn't like to get her hands dirty. She doesn't, you know, she's a little OCD. She actually, her place is spotless. Um, uh, and so there's this irony that she has to actually go clean up this mess um, in order for um, her crime to continue. Uh, you know her little, you know her little network of uh, stuff she's got going on. So because um, otherwise this can just take down the whole thing. Um, so yeah, she ironically has to clean up, and she hates messes. <laughs> this was cool. This was a cool script to read more than once because it's one of those things where after you've read it the first time, and then I was going back through it, th- that relationship that Rachel has in the truck with Mark. Yeah, when you're first there, they're in some kind of weird couple situation. He says that he screwed up with this other girl, and so oh, clearly he 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 cheated on her. And then when you find out that it's more of a a boss underling crime situation that was fun i noticing the uh covering her hand with the hoodie when she was opening stuff up to not leave fingerprints you don't know that until the end uh i didn't connect joe telling the story about getting robbed when he was sort of bragging to to rachel um, to her at at all all. or mark screw up i didn't see that coming at all kind of a casing everything yeah i definitely did because um she's so pedantic like uh rachel when she gets into the the gas station she's so careful about Mm -hmm. what she's doing and what she's saying that just those sly way that she's working in these questions like well of course you got them on camera though right right and I was just like, she's totally casing this, but I didn't know why. See, I was, Christine, I was coming to this from the Joe mentality of, well, he's just this poor schlub working at a gas station. And, well, there's a girl stuck out in the rain. Yeah, sure, you can come on in here. I would have been every bit the victim that Joe was in the script. Mm. 
Well, she, you know, Rachel plays into that vulnerability. That's why she had Mark, you know, go. They did it on a night where it was raining, so she would be soaked, and he would feel sorry. And then she, you know, um, slowly goes back to wait, you know, and sits on the curb and, uh, you know, where the uh, pumps are and puts her hoodie over her knees to seem very vulnerable. And, you know, she definitely... I mean, she can play the act very well, you know, so she, and that's her gift and she's able to manipulate people, which is why she's the boss, Yeah, you know, so she, she knows how to read people to get what she wants and she does it. I noticed too there. Um, so that kind of like, there's a rawness from the very beginning of the written word in this script that I think contributes to the tension because the opening talks about these wide open spaces and these big roads, these like horizons that stretch on forever. Yeah. And when you think about that, there's this like blanket of quiet and loneliness out there in that kind of setting that I think the tension from the very beginning is built in. And then when you, it, I, I don't, Gosh, I guess you'd, and I just feel like anybody who knows what that looks like and who has been a part of that environment mm-hmm. would walk into the rest of the script r- with tension already. I definitely think about that when I'm writing because I'm a I'm a filmmaker as well. I've done gaffering and lighting and doping, and um, I really think about the lighting. I mean, that so when I wrote about the gas station, I definitely thought about you know, the yellow, green, dingy, fluorescent lighting and making it kind of very dingy and drab. And then, and then the spark of life of the neon sign of cherry glazed donuts, you know, Uh, almost like a flicker of good and hope and, and brightness, um, in this drab scenario. Um, I definitely take everything in regards to look and composition into the writing and even sound, um, with the backfiring or the truck. Right. Um, yeah, I take that all into consideration because I've done every aspect of filming. I've done sound design. I've done, yeah. I mean, at the line of school, I've done everything. So well, so did you start doing filmmaking before you went to school for it? Or did, were you like, I need to try something different. Let me go to school for this. I did acting. Um, and then... Um, I never, I mean, other than doing photography, I hadn't done any filming myself in particular, and except for in front of the camera as an actor. So um, going to London Film School, I felt, going to film school in general, I thought was a great way for me to learn all the aspects because I thought, I knew my main focus was going to be writing and directing and because of my writing background. And I just felt all those aspects will make me a stronger director and writer, um, especially. And I also felt that my acting background would make me a stronger director as well. Cause mm-hmm. I'll know what actors are going through uh, when they want to bring what they can to the table as well. Mm-hmm. So, and so after school, did you go back to California and just start working in the film industry there? No, I, I uh, actually got a work visa. I was working as a, um, a production manager, um, slash channel producer at Epic TV, which in London, which is an online action and adventure sports site. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but I was doing that and also still working on some writing and uh, was um, starting up a production company uh, with uh, my friends, um, uh, Alex Gavigan. And we started a production company called Lion Star, which um, Right now, Alex is working on a short film called The Ghost, and it's about a, um, which I helped with the Kickstarter before I left the UK, uh, film some stuff for that. But it's called The Ghost, and it's about this book called The Ghost, and it's about this um, guy, Rob, um, who, when he was eight years old, found out his father was this legendary Tottenham Hotspurs football soccer player. And um, it's a true story uh, about a guy named John White. Um and he was um, on Tottenham Hotspurs, and in 1964, got struck by lightning on a golf course. <laughs> but what are you talking the- about? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the sh- the short film that we're producing right now. So um, that yeah, sounds it's a great. Crazy, it's, a, it's a really cool story, narrative story from the boy's perspective, uh, finding out who his father is. And, about, so, and it's based off the real life of Rob White, John White's son. So, so he finds out that his dad got hit by lightning, and then I mean, that's that's a story right there. Yeah. So he died, and so the kid, so Rob never found out 
who his father was and his mom had kind of kept it from him until he oh, found wow. like his father's old football bag with like the boots and the wow. and some awards and his father was known as the ghost on the field because he would show up in places like they get the ball so it's um yeah, 442 Magazine named the uh, the book The Ghost, one of the top 50 football books of all time. Wow. So that sounds awesome. That's great. So whenever you have work, let's say, let, well, Cherry Glaze, for example, you have your short script or you have um, a script that you want to produce. What's the next step for you once you feel like the script is ready to get out into the world? Well, with The Ghost, um, uh, we didn't write it, but... Uh, Alex found that, um, to produce. And so the first steps was that was working with the director to find financing and to, um, uh, we were going to do a Kickstarter. I think we might do the Kickstarter uh, for post instead on that. Um, but with the video for that, I, I went around and filmed at, um, uh, White Hart Lane. Uh, I went into the players' room and met like some of the old players that I actually knew about because I'm a footballer. I played soccer my whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and it was funny because I was <laughs> I was an American girl uh, with the camera equipment, and then I had two male producers who were British, um, uh, and uh, and I'm the one going on about the sports and the and some of the ex players that we interviewed looked at the two guys and they looked at me and were like, she's the footballer. <laughs> yeah, right. What are these guys bringing to the table? <laughs> it, it was quite amusing. But no, so we do that. And then um, uh, Alex has really taken the the helm on the ghost uh, or because um, I've I had to move back because my work visa ended. So I lost my visa uh, to live in the UK. So I, I've moved back to California. I've been dealing with some family stuff and trying to work on my writing here. And, um, and so I haven't been working this past year. Uh, I've taken a break from that just to focus on, uh, some of the writing and, um, that's, I'm going to start. Yeah. I, I, so I just submitted this script cherry glaze to festivals and I'm working on the feature, um, on the character development now, um, all the characters, I want to go into deep details to the point where I'm like, you know, how did they celebrate their eighth birthday? Right. <laughs> well, how did this script start showing up for you? You know how some people just kind of get obsessed with an idea and yeah. things pop up. How did how did you start working? Because if you don't have the, the feature done yet, you obviously have a heartbeat for this, which is why the short is so successful. Oh, thank you. So, um, I've, uh, you know, I listened um, when I was in the car with my dad, when I was little, like they would, my parents sometimes, um, mostly when I was with my dad though, uh, would put on the old radio shows, like those mystery shows. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved listening to just a story being told and like the intrigue and mystery and, you know, it reveals and, you know, how it would take you one way, you know, and, and it turns out it's another. And, um, so I kind of like those beats, um, in general. And, and I think also in general, I'm, I love people watching Then I will sit at a cafe and just watch people all day long. Um, so I, I see people and I see that people have multiple, you know, masks they put on, you know, and I, and I would very clearly say that they are not false masks. Um, sometimes some of them might be, but, I would honestly say that people are multidimensional, um, and, and it's the truth about themselves. Um, so, um, I think people are in conflict with themselves so much in in reality that I like playing with those ideas. I like showing that people have multiple sides to them. And I've always loved the idea of, uh, the de- I, I don't know, growing up here in California and then, ta- and then going to like Tempe, Arizona each year for, for a soccer tournament at Thanksgiving time, like, <laughs> you know, we'd be on the road and um, uh, for the eight hour drive. And I just love the open road. Like I just that always stuck with me. And so kind of combining all those things. And funny enough, I don't like cherry glazed donuts. <laughs> oh. um, I- no, I don't like, I don't really like fillings and donuts. Like, <laughs> uh, me neither. Just for the record. Wow. I, I stay away from. Is it because of the mess? Maybe a little bit. I do. Um, I'm not like, I don't have an OCD for messes, but I also don't, um, 
I don't particularly enjoy messy, sticky things. So yeah. Um, I like, I don't like glitter. I hate glitter. Um, (laughs) It's too, uh, yeah, too messy. Too glittery, too uh, beautiful (laughs) and wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I like to look at it, but I don't want to be the one to have to clean it up. (laughs) Well, what about, um, Rachel as a character? What was the seed for her? Um, I, I like, um, showing the multi-sides for women. I, I, there, you know, there's that vulnerability. There's also the toughness and, um, and, you know, God, we always have to clean up messes, don't we? Um, so, so there's that side and, um, and that's, you know, she is the boss. She's take charge and she doesn't apologize for it. And right. The uh, reason I'm asking is because we're talking about the themes here, but there's got to be some connection. It's, you know, I'm just wondering if you were just like out walking around one day and you're like, okay, duality of people, somebody who did it. Boom. Rachel is a boss who gets out of a truck, walks in, holds this guy up. <laughs> like, but where is like, why did that idea crystallize for you specifically? You know it's funny. I, I don't have a specific moment. It's kind of like I blend things come to me. Like I let things marinate in my head. Um, I'll sometimes write, I'll have have my notes in my phone where I'm like literally one word or two words or something. And they just start to mesh together. And for me, I let it marinate because I feel if it sticks with me, um, that means it's something I need to pursue. If I forget about it and I look at the note and I go, what was this even about? It means it wasn't a strong enough idea for me to, to pursue. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I like metaphors. Uh, I like the, the cherry, like I came up with the cherry glazed donut because of of the, of murder and blood and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the, um, inside coming out. Um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was one of my questions for the interview is like, why the cherry glazes have anything to do with the sweetness versus the mess that glaze can make, Mm. you know, which is like, Rachel, the main character, using this sweetness and this persona to manipulate. I mean, if you if you choose a, a filled donut, you're committing to to eating that, regardless of the mess that ha- that it potentially can make. Right. And Rachel is committed to making her crime network work, which means even though she hates messes, she is committed to cleaning up this mess. Um, so, yeah, it goes on multiple metaphors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the things I thought about reading this is in terms of, like, casting of Rachel, really trying to find somebody who can play this, like, innocent girl stuck out in the rain at a gas station in the middle of the night. And then also the the little bit in the last bit of the of the script when she gets back into the pickup truck and Charlotte's driving. And the way you describe it, it talks about how she just tells Charlotte to drive by looking at her. Her eyes are communicating this because she's got this also innate sense of, like, authority and the fact that she's sort of a boss. I think casting's going to be kind of crucial with Rachel on this. You know, it's... um. You know, not Lucy Liu, but I uh, like a, a, a an unknown Lucy Liu is yeah. kind of how I okay. picture uh, Rachel. Um, I, I I mean, I purposely I I do see Rachel um, as Asian. I don't um, I didn't put an ethnicity for reasons. I I am open to casting. I want there to be someone that um, you know. Is just right for the role. Mm-hmm. I there. I was very purposely leaving ethnicity off um, because I don't want to. Because um, I would direct this as well, so I I didn't want to be confined or have you know people um, purposely choose an ethnicity. I, I did actually want to open. Well, you're casting a wider net, right? You're going to try to catch more fish. Exactly. So what do you usually do when you start looking for casting? Do you go through an agency or do you just post things on Craigslist? What's what's your route of casting? Um, yeah, I mean, when I was um, I haven't cast anything here in the States yet. This would be my first one um, in England. I use Spotlight, um, which is a site that actors post on. Um, there were people that for my grad film Lashes, um it was an adaptation of a short story called Feathers and Cigarettes by Andrew Lloyd Jones. Um, I specifically saw 
uh, this main girl in this other short film that was done by another student and at the film school. And I thought she was perfect. And I met her in person and I knew instantly she, you know, she did a reading and that was it for the, for the other characters. Um, there was a well-known for the supporting actress. There was this young up and coming British actress named Scarlett Byrne, who, um, uh, played Pansy Parkinson in the Harry Potters. Uh, she went on to play Lexi in Falling Skies and mm-hmm. Nora in the Vampire Diaries. So she's gone mm-hmm. on to wow. do great things. Um, but at that time, she had done the Harry Potters. Um, but I knew she would be perfect for the supporting role. So I contacted the agent and sent the script and had a chat. And Scarlett came in. I met with her and she um, enjoyed the script and said yes. Um, for the for the male lead, um, a friend of mine uh, introduced me to this, uh, guy named Jack Brett Anderson. And, uh, he has gone on to work on a BBC's Wolfblood, um, and some other things. And he, so it's just, I was very fortunate to have up and coming British talent, but the lead Charlotte Lewington was just absolutely perfect and brilliant. And I couldn't have seen anyone else for, for that role. Um, I did do a few auditions as backup, but that like, when I met her, I knew she was the right one for the part. Mm-hmm. So, so for for the most part, it's a little bit about just like using your current resources and then doing what you need to past that point to fill roles or find the right fit. Exactly. Yeah. So, I for this one, I probably will uh, reach out to uh, um, agencies. Um, there are a few two people I have in mind for the cashier for Joe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, so I will reach out one of them. I'm actually friends with, um, so, but, and then the other roles, I would have to reach out to agents. Um, actually, you know, the character of Joe is really interesting in this script too. Uh, Did he kind of make his way into the script just to serve as a contrast to Rachel or is there something else that kind of inspired that character and his existence here? The sweetness, the quaintness, the naivete. Mm Mm-hmm. I did not want a romantic intrigue between them. Like uh, that was no romance whatsoever. No romance. I didn't want yeah. it to be about romance. I mean, I already had the hook at the beginning with, um, you know, people thinking it's a it's a relationship there. I didn't want, you know, oh, everything's sexual when dealing with a female. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. um, I just wanted a nice guy you know, who, you know, loves his wife, is working hard, you know, he's a hardworking guy that's doing the best to make ends meet. Um, He seems like an odd character to be running this gritty gas station. Well, he's, he is down to earth and it's, uh, it's where he lives and, uh, you know, so it's uh, just his everyday life. His kindness ends up being a mistake. Right. Is that is is, is there sort of a message for you in that? Or is, was that just a, sort of a, a way to advance the plot? Because, I mean, things go nowhere for Rachel unless he takes pity on her. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, there is a purpose for that. I think um, I think too many people um, in life, I, I guess this kind of goes into my politics a bit, um, live in their bubbles. They're sheltered and, you know, they... Um, you know, I, I think they need to be more informed of what's going on in the world. Um, and and also, I, I don't like guns, actually, funny enough. I, I'm against guns. Uh, uh, and I, I I wanted to show how, like, guns can be turned around on you, even if you have one, you know, right. also. Because yeah, I feel like he has one for protection, that he would use it in the sense of protection. Mm-hmm. But then he does talk about firing it off. At somebody yeah. who's running away from him. Right. Um, and, yeah. and then, of Which course, is if someone's running away, like why? Like if they're already running away, um, you know, it's it's kind of like you can let the you know, why? Why end someone's life um, when you're supposed to be the good guy? You know? Yeah. That's Rachel's not a good person. Right. You know, she she uses the gun to actually kill him, you know, in the end. Uh, she's not a good person, though. That uh, was that was something else I wanted to ask you to. I'm sorry, but I, uh, it, it was left ambiguous on purpose in the script, and I was curious because because the pickup truck has a backfire, and it you it's purposely ambiguous in the script as to whether or not she actually shoots him or not. You're saying that she does pull the trigger. 
I left it ambiguous for that reason because okay. it's a short, and I thought it um, it would be more powerful in a short. Gotcha. Um, I it really is too. It, yeah, developing it to a feature, it would definitely um, probably probably be revealed that he was in fact killed. I love um, it because she has that line, which is, "I don't, I don't like messes." Remember, and you don't know if she's saying that she doesn't want him being a mess as in a loose end right or if she doesn't want to have to deal with what would happen if she killed him so it's like that line and then that backfire both really 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 contribute to that ambiguity mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks that yeah that was done on purpose <laughs> it's awesome it's really awesome uh where uh, is lashes something that you, you're the, the student film you talked about is there can people see that anywhere um, at the moment, the school also owns uh, co-owns the rights, and they're in the process of, uh, of trying to get it distributed. Um, the trailer is on Vimeo uh, under Lashes Trailer, um, and the and the old Indiegogo video uh, fundraising video is on Vimeo as well okay. um, la- under Lashes in Indiegogo. Um, um, under Christine Sherwood, if you find my page on Vimeo. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are on there. Uh, so you can have a taste of what that's like. I can, for you guys, I can definitely send you, send you the link and the password. I yes. can share. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. That would be wonderful. We would love that. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's a real it's a realism uh, piece. So cool. uh, cherry glaze is definitely a slight departure, but I would say moving forward, my style is definitely um, a bit like McDonough, a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, I also have this other feature film I'm also developing characters for, um, and it's about two Irish sisters, and uh, one, because of circumstances that she's running away from when she moved to London, comes back home, and uh, uh, issues with her younger sister, and her, and the da- the home is like not kept up, and it's just like, oh, I'm just a crumbling castle dad's got here, a testament to this vast empire, <laughs> you know, like yeah. so, just... Just a uh, quick witty dialogue, you know, you know, so it's uh, that's the direction more that my filmmaking, you know, is going into. You but know, I love oh, realism. <laughs> uh, that grittiness is like, I mean, I like that in terms of Westerns when you get characters who can make good or bad decisions yeah. and giving them a strong choice to it. It's high risk and it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, ha- I mean, Cool Hand Luke is one of my favorite films of all times. I, I mean, it's not a Western, but like it's a. You know, the grittiness of that, you know, is uh, stayed with me watching that. And then moving on, you know, Scorsese and Goodfellas is one of my favorites. And um, and I love the gritty character of Vagabond from Agnes Flora. I mean, those are just some of my, you know, and in Bruges, like I said before. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, I did want to ask, too, there's a lot of rain in the script. Mm. And in terms of production, how would you manage that? Uh, rain machines. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, I haven't made it, and I'm hoping that some of the festivals that I've put it in, um, hopefully, I can win and win some of the monetary um, money, so it can go towards. Because that's the thing. Even though it takes place in one location, um, with like kind of a second location with the longer road, um, right? It still it has the pickup truck motorcycle which my friend actually has a motorcycle i could use but i'd have to rent the the red pickup truck i'd have to f- do location uh fee for finding you know a gas station in a deserted area i'd have to put up cast and crew close to the location i'd have you know the all the catering and a lot of the equipment i have a lot of camera equipment myself actually and um if i had to i have a canon 5d <laughs> mark four so i could film it. I'd rather not, but I'd rather film it on a, an Alexa, but, um, cause I want that realism, uh, look to it, uh, which for a digital camera, I love, uh, the Alexa makes it a little bit more, uh, realism. Um, well, Frank, Frank might have something to say about this. Cause on your other show, Frank, you guys talk about camera equipment all the time. Filmmakers drinking bourbon, Frank's other baby. Yeah. (laughs) I was just wondering why you, why you think you need to shoot at an actual, um, gas station out in the middle of nowhere versus like doing a little, little set for the gas station and just doing like a wide master shot. So do you think that's cheaper to like build a set for a gas station? Or, you know, you can, you can film in a gas station that's maybe in a more manageable location for you and then just shoot the exterior, like the wide exterior somewhere else. What's your preference on that, Christine? I think for this location, all in one place would be, um, uh, the best situation just for uh, matching up. I've done 
shoots where it was like 80%, you know, shot on a set build. Uh, I mean, I've built sets. Uh, that was one of the great aspects of Lena Film School as well was we got to build sets. I mean, we built sets inside of sets, shot in one, tore down, and then finished building up the outer rim one, you know, like wow. it, it was insane. Yeah, it was. Uh, um, and then, you know, we shot on location. I have one where um, we shot them going up and uh, down into the attic um, on location. And then we built the attic on set, you know, wow. and so then I shot it where it looked like they were coming up through, you know, a flat floor, right? <laughs> you know, they're coming in. So I've done mat shots like that, um, before, but it's, uh, I honestly feel in it, with this location, with the way the neon sign, you know, you need to see the visual aspect of the neon sign and, um, the location. And when you're inside and you're looking out through the window as well, you want to um, be able to see all of that, that all depth. The business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this one would definitely need to be in location for all that. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, it sounds like the school you went to was really all-encompassing, and you're wearing, like, every hat between having built sets and, you know, Lights. writing and directing and yeah. producing. You, you're you pretty well-rounded with what you got going on. Yeah, I do. I'm, I definitely believe in team, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've done it all, but I think it just adds to – um, what I do with the writing and directing, I definitely believe in having a strong uh, cast and crew um, and, um, you know, bringing it to like my final vision. But I believe in, um, you know, if I see the genius in somebody else's idea, I will definitely scoop that up and put that in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in. Um, I'm all about collaboration. Um, it, you know, in a military sense to, to some degree, but, yeah, sure. in, um, um, but I'm all for you know, picking up ideas from someone else. And, you know, I just think that makes me the smarter director. Writer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody else's idea. I'm not precious about my own particular ideas. If I, if I see something good, I, I'll recognize it. We talked know? a lot on this show about what a crazy collaborative process filmmaking is. And the fact that you're have as much experience as you do. And then you're still saying, yes, please bring me your ideas. Also, I think it's super cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and so we're super excited about seeing this made whenever it gets whenever it gets to that point. I know projects can take years, but we feel so strongly about this being this is a cool an, script, a, an awesome script, and the start of a big, beautiful story. And so, congratulations oh. on writing this, on sharing it with us, on yeah, thank you, sending it out into the world. It we've had such a great time reading about it, and then getting to talk to you about it as well. Oh, that pleases me. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Where can people, uh, if people do want to get a hold of you after they've maybe read the script on scriptshopshow.com, uh, if they want to get in touch with you about anything, how would be the best way to go about doing that? Right now, I'm on Twitter as C as in Christine, uh, Sherwood as in Sherwood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the forest. Um, and film. So C Sherwood film on Twitter. Um, and I will have my filmmaking page coming soon on um i've reserved the page on facebook so i will be getting that up uh, soon (laughs) (laughs) add it to my list of things um yeah but what are you slapping uh, christine come on get stuff together here what's the matter with you (laughs) but twitter and instagram at c sherwood film great awesome awesome well thanks for coming on the show um we look forward to hearing about your script in the future yeah keep us in the loop please Definitely. And I'll send you those links as well. Yeah, do that. Exclusive stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Thanks, Christine. Wow. Yeah. That's this is such a good script. Too. I really like this one. Suspenseful, fast, like and I love we didn't really talk about the cashier so much, mm-hmm. but he and Rachel, like their personalities are so well developed in like very little words. I think it's hilarious that like you were able to pick up on yeah. the insidious nature of what I, Rachel was up to you know, I feel, way better than I, I was. I feel like I I get it because I do that kind of stuff sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you all the time like it's and I'll make jokes about uh, I mean it gets really kind of deep kind of fast but like okay. in our world as it is being a white woman I get I get lots of passes. Okay. Like and also being pregnant people are just being nice to me all the time you got like extra wild cards with the, with yeah, the pregnancy you yeah. guys all cleaned the dishes for us the other day at dinner that's nobody true. asked you to at well, all you're also putting up a house and you're you guys yeah, are providing a bunch you know, of food for us to come over and that's eat that's not and... really like a deep dark example yeah, at all enough. but 
but I get what this is doing by reading the situation. Yeah. And uh, and I and I just assumed the worst, I guess. Yeah, see, I was it. I was like, well, these two are in a truck. She's mad at him because he did something bad in the relationship. Oh, she's at this gas station now. Having well, a quaint little conversation with the guy. Joe seems like a nice guy. Oh, look at that. He's letting her in. Oh, he's And then just the slow choreography of yeah. her working her way That's toward him, getting behind the counter. Especially when she jumps behind the counter. Yeah. Did that give you any red flags? That was, I was like, okay, okay she's, she's got a goal. She's trying something here. Right. She's, yeah. when the other thing is, is like, if you're reading a good script, you know something's happening. Yeah, right. You know, if you're scripts that don't have something going underneath them, there's, uh, you know, yeah. spend your time getting what you can. But this one from the beginning, I just knew something was happening there. If you have something happening and you'd like us to try to figure out if we can tell whether or not something is happening, <laughs> scriptshopshow.com slash And, you know, if submit. we don't figure it out, you're welcome to come on the show and tell us. Yeah, right. Yeah, like tell us anything we're doing wrong. We're fine with that. We're, we're totally fine with that. Uh, but like Jack said, you can go to scriptshopshow.com and submit your script. Um, we would love to read it. We love reading your stories, and we love getting to know you. And you can check us out online, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yes. Um, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter. We, we have Script Shop Show as a Twitter account, and then I'm on there uh, at Script Shop Jack. And I'm at Your Bestie Westy. Mm-hmm. And we love talking to each other on Twitter, and I'm not good at Twitter, so I would love some more friends to talk to. Yeah, you're getting better, though. You're doing, you. you're doing I fine. Appreciate it. You're really you're too hard on yourself. Oh man, I'm so bad at that though. <laughs> I'm I'm all about Instagram. Like the photos are fine, but and I can't wrap my head around Instagram at all. That's that, that's me Pictures sounding like a cranky words. old guy. I know it's just I'm not a picture guy. Yeah. Well, uh, anywho, yeah. thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah, and until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West, hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley, produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.